Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. My name is Steve King, and alongside me is Matt Luloyan. Matt, welcome to the Liberty B-Side Podcast. Another week. Happy Monday. It's good to be back. Happy Monday. And yeah, we, um, we're pressing on in the Faith Among the Faithless Elijah and Elisha series. We, uh, it's crazy, man. It's, it's like, it's almost November. We don't, yeah. And we only have three or four weeks left. We do. Four we, weeks? We got four. Four? Yeah, we got four. Cause it, okay. Advent starts this year, the last Sunday of November. Right. And so that'll yes. kick off, that'll kick off a new Advent series. So November 20th is the last Sunday of, uh, of the series, which is crazy that yesterday was week seven. Uh, yep. And so we've got eight, nine, ten, and eleven coming up, and there then we're then we're done. It's great, yeah, exciting, yeah. Um, yeah. You preached yesterday, Second Kings five. Yep, um, and we'll get into that. Yeah, give us the summary. Give us yeah. the ninety second summary of the of the sermon from yesterday. Yeah, so um, homonyms, little grammar lesson to kick it off. The word flesh uh, in the Bible is used in well more than this even, but really two main separate ways. Uh, one is Literal flesh, our skin, yep. the other is our sinful nature. And you get a really interesting um, vision of both of those things in 2 Kings 5. Naaman, uh, the Syrian general, enemy uh, of Israel. He's the leader of their army. He has leprosy, uh, but he is healed in this chapter. So it's talking about his flesh in that sense. Yep. But also uh, sinful nature. He has a lot of pride, a lot of self-importance. He has to learn the really scandalous and difficult lesson um, that you cannot buy or merit or earn the grace of God. Right. Uh, you can just receive it. <laughs> and so uh, it's about Naaman. It's also about Gehazi, who is Elisha's uh, right-hand man, his servant. Uh, and Gehazi, we see his sinful nature, his flesh on display. There's some greed. Uh, there's some hyper-nationalism in that. He, he loves that the grace of God is for him and his people, but doesn't like the fact that it's for Syria, an enemy nation and a general of an enemy nation. Uh, but really his, his the biggest expression of it um, the most substantial thing is that he he tramples the grace of God. He obscures God's grace for name and makes it seem like maybe he could earn grace. Um, and really, I think in that way, causes name potentially causes name to stumble. Um, and so Gehazi actually, at the end of the passage, ends up with his flesh, his physical flesh, his skin. He ends up with leprosy. It's this great reversal that plays out there in the text. So, yeah, we talked about uh, Naaman's flesh. We talked about Gehazi's flesh. Um there were a couple of different practical applications that came out of that about how do we, how does pride hinder our healing? Um, how do we need to be humbled and humble ourselves so that we can actually receive grace from God and be healed? Yep. Um, that was maybe, you know, much more what we learned from Naaman, uh, but then also learning from Gehazi um, that we just, you know, God, God it forbid, God help us to never, to never cause someone else to stumble, to never obscure his grace for other people um, and to always make sure that we have, um, uh, a desire for the global grace, the global mission of God to go forward, even even more than a love for our own people and a love for our country. Yep. It's good to have a love for country, good to have a love for our own people, but also to make sure we love the, the global grace of God that much more. Yeah, that's great. That was a good message. Uh, we did not get any questions. We didn't, so we're done. 
You know what? Great. Okay. We did get one question. Okay, we got one question. That's true. We got, yes, one, we got a question. One question actually. I was just wrong. I was just wrong. <laughs> I was completely wrong. We did get a question. Well, it's a very um, unlike most of the questions we get, which like you know, open ended kind of sure. like hey, unpack this part of the message. Yeah, this sure. was actually a technical question, but one that's really important for your Bible study. Groups. That's true. Yes. So super. Grateful. Thank you for the person that, that that asked this. The question was, in our Bible study guides, if you've been using those Bible study guides, whether digital or hard copy that we put out, um, there are three questions in this week's... Um, page 34. Page 34 of the guide, Faith in the Flesh. There's there's three questions there, but if you look closely, this will maybe be a test. Maybe we shouldn't have announced You don't even this. have to look that close, to be honest with you. <laughs> Question two is repeated twice. We were joking, like, maybe we should have done that on purpose the week before in the deja vu one and about, like, you know, the repeating miracles. Like, maybe we should have put a second question there and see if anyone paid attention. But, um, no, it was just an oversight on our part. Um, There there should be three separate questions. So let me just give you the third question. The first two questions in there are, are the two questions we had planned on. Yep. The third question should be, why is it so significant that God heals Naaman? How does that anticipate God's future redemptive work? And are there any people you've written off as enemies or unlikely converts? What can this account teach you about how to view them differently? Hmm. So that is a substantial thing about what I did talk about. It's kind of like the message yesterday. It was kind of like at least the second half of the sermon. So um, it'd be a great question to bring into your Bible study group. So thank you for the person who, who brought that to our attention. That's a third question we'd encourage you to, to dive into in your Bible study groups. Yeah. Don't miss that. Uh, Maybe, maybe uh, we don't have, in lieu of other questions, Yeah, I thought you did a good job of um, bringing in Luke chapter 4, hmm. and you know, I think it's helpful for us to recognize this isn't true about, it's not true about every story in the Old Testament, but the more we study our Bible and Scripture, we just, there are things in the New Testament that point to the Old Testament. Yeah. Obviously, Christ, you know, that, that, um, that seven-mile road that he's on, you know, yeah. unpacking how all of Scripture is about him. Yeah. Um, and yet, we do find some instances in the Old Testament, they're, they're, they are very precisely identified in the New Testament. Yeah. And Luke 4 is an example of this story. Yep. Even as it's a great story in and of itself, it's not just isolated as this one-off story that like we just kind of smile about someone getting a healing. Yep. It is reflective of something greater that God is doing. And that that's what Christ is really identifying in Luke 4. Just like maybe weave yeah. through that again, unpack that again and the, the significance of it. Yeah, it's the the more time that I have spent over the years of my life in Scripture, the more um, apparent it is that this is one story. The more apparent yeah. it is that this, like, there is so much incredible continuity that runs throughout the Old and New Testaments. And there's so much references, like internal intra textual textual references. There's actually um, so Jordan Peterson, right? Not mm-hmm. not a Christian, but very maybe open or sympathetic to to the Christian faith in many ways and, and maybe someday God willing will will put his faith in Christ. But he actually pulled somebody else's graphic. I don't think it's his graphic in one of his talks that I saw that actually is like a visual representation of all the cross references in mm. scripture where scripture references itself. It's Google that and okay. look it look it up. It is it is incredible. It's okay. I don't think I've seen that I've not seen that graphic. Okay. It's a it's actually really cool artistically too. It's like one of the things that's like it would be abstract, you know, to um, to someone that didn't know what it was when you saw it, but you could explain it. It's, it's basically all of these arcing 
um, lines that go f- like that the kind of has the Bible divided up across a spectrum and it has all these inner, inner, you know, intertwining hmm. lines that kind of show how many different cross references there are. It's the Bible references itself. Okay. So I'm, I'm just kind of zooming out from your question there and saying like, it, it is incredible how much yeah. the old and new Testament is one story and how much they are related to, to each other. Yeah. Um, Luke four specifically, actually, um, we only talked about the one yesterday, but there's two references from, this series that we've been in, in that same, in that same thing in Luke four. So Luke four, Jesus is back in his hometown of Nazareth. He's in the synagogue and he's teaching in the synagogue. Uh, that's where he gets the scroll of Isaiah and he unrolls it. And he mm-hmm. says, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, uh, to proclaim the liberty for the captives. He, he, he's kind of saying all this stuff that, that was promised hundreds of years ago through the prophet Isaiah, it's being fulfilled in me. Right. I'm the fulfillment of that. Yep. Now, here's the amazing thing. That's a pretty bold statement. Nobody really takes an issue with that. Nobody calls him a blasphemer in that moment. No one, like, people are people are hanging on his every word. They're marveling. And it says there in Luke 4 that they speak well of him. But then, then, he, then he kind of is continuing on in that. And he says there in Luke 4, he references two, two things. He references Elijah and the widow of Zarephath. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know what? There were a lot of starving widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. And... God didn't meet their specific provision, their need for provision of daily food the way he did for the widow of Zarephath. He went, he sent Elijah outside of Israel to another people that wasn't his own people, and he provided for for the widow of Zarephath. Mm-hmm. And then kind of piggybacking right off that, he references the Second Kings 5 Naaman incident. He says there are a lot of lepers in Israel yep. um, that weren't healed in the days of Elisha, but Naaman, the Syrian general, was healed. Right. So... I, I brought that in yesterday in the sermon in particular to say um, one of the most offensive things about grace, other than that we can't buy it, we can't earn it, is that it's not just for us, it's for others. Sure. It's, and it's for the people that we least think deserve it, that we least think should get it. Yeah, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's not just that it's free, it's that it's not even our standard for who gets it. Yeah. yeah. And so for Elijah and the widow, it's like, well, God, these are your people. These are your covenant chosen people. Why are you allowing some of them to die of starvation, but you're helping this woman from Zarephath who's part of, she's, you know, it was that, in that story, it's, um, it's Jezebel's backyard. Like it's Sidon. It's, it's the, it's the area of the world where Baal worship originated and came from. Yep. Why are you helping a widow in Baal country? Yep. Right. <laughs> and you're skipping over all the, all the widows in, in your, in your land that you gave to your people. God. Right. And then with Naaman, it's like, God, there's some other lepers in Israel in this time. You're not healing them. You have a prophet in Israel who could heal them. You could use to heal them. You're you're actually bringing a not just a not just a, a someone from another nation, but the commander of the of their army that has actually defeated and caused great destruction to your people. You're pro, you're prolonging, preserving, healing him, um, not the people of Israel. And right. man, people in in Luke chapter four, the 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 Jewish men and women in the synagogue in the first century mm-hmm. in Nazareth get fired up about yeah, that. Not happy about that. Try to kill yep. Jesus. Try to push him off the ledge of his, of, his, of Naz- where Nazareth was built on a big hillside cliff and they try to push him off the edge. Right. Right. Yeah. I just love, well, I appreciated how you brought that in. It's there to be brought in, right? Sure. Um, you didn't sure. have to make that up. Right. But yeah, um, I thought that it's a powerful uh, reference for all of us, for the work that God is doing all throughout history and the lesson it teaches us for how grace is not free. And it is for, even those that we would not want it to be for. Yeah. Not even think that it's for, 
But sometimes I think if we if we're honest with ourselves, we look and go, we don't even want it to be for some people. Yeah. And that is that's something that um the spirit convicts us of. That's right. In, in the story. That's really good. Yeah. It's um that and that could prompt other good conversation in your Bible study group, you know, are there, who would be people like that for you? Right. I think also, I'm kind of surprised we didn't get some questions on this. Maybe it just, you know, just didn't come to people's mind in the moment, but you know, like I brought in the, the kind of the parallel yesterday of like, there's, you know, there weren't a lot of Israelites that were hoping for good things for, for Naaman in that moment. Like no one's rooting for him to have a longer, healthy life (laughs) when he's been the one that's like, Caused great destruction to Israel. Right. There's not a lot of Ukraine. This is the parallel. There's not a lot of Ukrainian people in the world right now saying like, I hope good things for Vladimir Putin. Right. right. And there's a tension that, that maybe that introduces that I thought maybe people would have questions about of like, um, the imprecatory Psalms. Mm-hmm. Like when do, when do we pray that God would like stop the wicked in their tracks? When do we, when do we pray that God would just squash the rebellion that exists against him and his people? And when do we actually hope that God shows grace to that? Like, like, so here's, so maybe here's a, here's a real life situation. Should I pray imprecatory Psalms for, for Vladimir Putin right now? Or should I pray that Vladimir Putin has this unbelievable eye opening moment where he ha- where he understands the grace of the gospel, trusts in Jesus and converts and changes his life completely? Mm-hmm. Which one? <laughs> I say yes. Right? I say yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. We yeah. should, we should pray for both of those things yeah. or at the heart of our prayer should be both of those things or yeah. at least Either of those things is what we're looking yeah. for. Yes. Yeah. It could be either. And that, that there's a tension maybe there yeah. of like in the, in real life. And that's where it feels like maybe the closest parallel and in, in the immediate forefront of my mind right now is, is Ukraine and Vladimir. Yeah. There's something, maybe there's something that's very, uh, pragmatic. It's not just pragmatic, but it's practical. You know, it's like, it's realistic too that if there is an army advancing toward you, yeah. As much as you, we should want that person or that army to like stop, repent, turn themselves to Christ. Yeah. The reality of that, like, not say, like, apart from God's miracle. Yeah. Not just in change, in, in like bring them to faith, but then change. Like, you should pray for evil to stop. Yep. And for evil to be crushed. Yep. Um, and for justice to be done. Yep. And so there's way, there's area, there's ways in which we look around the world and say. Yeah, that, that is an evil regime or that's an evil movement. We should ask it to be crushed. If God were to create or bring salvation to someone or someone's out of that, we should want that. We too. should rejoice in yeah. that. We should. Yeah, that's right. But there's all, but like immediately, yep. it's also good to pray that evil is stopped. Yes. I think that's a great, it's both great those way, things. Great way to say that. Yeah. And to not, and to not. You know, this is where like the exposure of this comes when that happens. Like when the surprising, miraculous thing happens, and Naaman goes, "Oh, there is no God but the God of Israel. There yeah. is no. I'll only I, give me some earth from here because right. symbolically, that's I'm worshiping on ground dedicated to Him. Yeah, I'm. You know, um, you know that that it's it's not until that happens that it ex- exposes how ugly Gehazi's sinful yeah. nature is, his flesh yeah. is. It's like he's, you know. There's maybe some foreshadowing in there. Like he wasn't able to, to raise the Shunammite son to life when, mm-hmm. when Elisha sent him ahead. Right. Like maybe, maybe there's something in Gehazi there, but there's nothing clear in that yeah. moment. Yeah. It's like the occasion of God doing a radical thing and rescuing someone that everyone would have thought, like, I don't want that guy to be, yeah. to be, to be part of the people of God, to be a right. worshiper of Yahweh. Right. Um, you know, I hope. I hope he just dies. Yeah. Then he is saved and it immediately exposes, like it would expose a ton of stuff in, in a, in a lot of us in the world, but probably also like a lot of Ukrainians specifically. If, if Putin for some reason in this moment did trust in Christ and all of a sudden repent and go like, you know what? I, 
I'm doing things wrong. I need mm-hmm. to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that's, yeah, at, at be, be willing and ready to have aspects of your sinful nature of your flesh exposed when surprising things happen yeah. and you react to it in a way that you're like, Oh, actually that's kind of a bad reaction to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And anytime that we, uh, there's, I feel like we could go long tangent on this, not tangent, sure. long conversation. Oh, yeah. let's, let's not go too long on it. Maybe just another moment, which is even as we oppose evil, be opposing evil. Yeah. So if we see it in wars or yeah. we see it in culture, we see where, yeah. like, sure, we should oppose evil, but we have, if we ever find ourselves winning and then having satisfaction in the win for our glory and for someone else's destruction, we want evil to be destroyed. Yeah. We want to be on the winning side insofar as mm-hmm. like the side of God who brings righteousness yeah. and, and ha- it calls good, good. Yeah. Right. And is the source of all truth. Like, so that's winning to be on the side of God. Uh-huh. Sure. But it's ultimately for God's glory yep. that we should want evil to be yep. crushed. Yep. So totally. it's, it's just, there's, a, there's, there's lines all over the place there for like, if we find ourselves winning something and then reveling in, yep. in the victory of that to someone else's destruction, yep. there's both something that's good about that, which is why precatory Psalms exist. Yep. And also something that should humble us mm-hmm. that we're the ones who receive free grace from God and mercy. Yep. And we should want that for others too. But there is also evil in the world that we should be combating. So it's like, yep. I, I wrestled with this deeply about 10 years ago, early days of Liberty Church. We did a series in Revelation. And in Revelation, it talks about, you know, the final judgment that, that Jesus brings when yeah. he comes again. He judges the earth. And it's like, you know, trampling, trampling people like trampling grapes in the wine press and the blood flows. I mean, it's a bold, intense, crazy imagery in, in Revelation about what that judgment looks like. And you have the saints and the people of God rejoicing and celebrating. And it was like this tension of like, what, how do we, the, the phrase that came to my mind in those moments that I think applies in these kinds of situations too, is we want to be people who, who, um, who put forth a mercy conscious celebration of the triumph of God. Mm-hmm. That, that phrase has kind of stayed with me from the series in revelation years ago, a mercy conscious celebration of the triumph of God. It's like, we are we are not apologizing for the triumph of God. Sure. We actually, it, we think it's the right and best thing for the world that God wins. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Praise yep. God, he wins, yep. you know. So we're not like, oh, you know what? God is actually going to like maybe put that down someday. Like we want sure. evil to, we want evil to end. Yep. We want God to win. He will win. Yep. So we want to celebrate that. The mercy conscious part of that celebration is to realize my sin my rebellion against God would put me on completely the wrong side of that. If not, if not for the mercy of God, That's right. like, sure. I, like so That's the, right. the mercy conscious conscious part of that phrase is to say, never forget um, that it's real people on the other side of that judgment of God. Mm-hmm. And you so desperately want them to turn from their rebellion and receive mm-hmm. the mercy, receive the grace of God through yeah. the work of Jesus so that they're on, they're on that side of the triumph of God and not yeah. triumphed by him, you yeah. know, over, you know, so, um, that's good, man. So I, yeah, that this that could bring up a little bit of you know good conversation in your Bible study groups, like how to how to wrestle through some of those things. Maybe one other question that I was maybe anticipating getting, but didn't get was there's a whole part of this story that we didn't talk about yesterday where uh, Naaman actually asks for and is granted by Elisha the permission to still basically go into a to a um, to a false god to an idol's yes, temple that's right yeah we did not talk about that yesterday <laughs> and, right? and help yeah. his master the king of right. the king of Syria help his help his master worship a false god even though he's sure. 
even and even though Naaman is not himself worshiping in that moment, he's there. He's he wanted to be kind of excused from the from the from the accountability of like going along with the worship. Yeah, he's holding and yeah. he's actually holding up. He's like he's like the one I guess at the right hand of the king of Syria because right. of his position. And so I think it brings up some fascinating questions and principles mm-hmm. for like as Christians who are pursuing faithfulness to, to Jesus in all aspects of life, can we hold certain positions where? We're still around, and in some ways, it looks like we're participating in idolatry of some kind. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're can can Christians hold high positions in government and still, in some ways, be participating in or facilitating? Like he's facilitating almost in a sense the worship of Rimen, mm-hmm. not not his own worship, but the king of Syria's worship in that sure. moment. Right. All that to say, I think this introduces some really interesting gray space for, between. What does it mean to be a faithful worshiper of God in a place where there's a lot of idolatry and what positions can I hold in those two things? Sure. And what you're going to be held responsible for. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's told to go in peace and go do that. That's right. Like he's not like you, you would expect a guy like Elisha who is so um, zealous for faithfulness to Yahweh. Right. You would expect him in a moment like this to go, no, no, actually you got to. Your new, your newfound faith in the one true God requires you to leave your position requires you to not go in or at least not not to go into that temple at all anymore and even give the semblance that you're that you are worshiping an idol still because people are going to still see you do that and they're going to assume that you're worshiping women just like the king of syria is right um all that to say yeah it introduces some interesting questions and thoughts and if you have them bring them yeah there's other instances in scripture too where like seemingly the opposite command is given yeah you know thinking about um Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, like they, they choose not to go along with it. They choose to not bow down to an idol. That's right. And are cast into a furnace as a result. That's right. Right. So. And in the same, in the same government, you get then Daniel, who's like elevated to second in command of the whole kingdom. Yep. Who would have been around a lot of, a lot of idolatry in that sense too, but is not, but is actually, um, lauded in in scripture affirmed in scripture for the way he was able to hold that position still being faithful still praying you know got him thrown in the lines then yep but then you've got even we we didn't really get to dive into this part back in first kings chapter 18 you've got obadiah who's essentially like the chief of staff to king ahab you know so he's like the chief of staff for the king of israel ahab of course is a very unfaithful king yep obadiah is actually using that position and using some of the opportunity platform of that position to to keep alive a hundred other faithful prophets and feed right. them and all that kind of stuff. So you've got this whole idea of yeah, what positions high high level public positions that, that Christians can occupy, yep. and how do you navigate the faithful worshiper of God in an unfaithful place? How yep. do you navigate faithfulness in the midst of idolatry? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Well, if, if you have questions on that, ask them. Right, sure. and each week as you have questions on the sermons as we're preaching through them. Uh, be sure to send them in uh, by Sunday evening, Monday morning at the latest uh, to be included in the B-Side podcast. We love getting questions each week. Uh, hopefully this was some, um, some some helpful information preparing you for Bible studies this week. Uh, make note of that third question that Matt, uh, you, list, you asked before that we just had a little bit of a printing error there uh, in the study guide. And uh, thanks for joining us for this podcast. We look forward to seeing you uh, later this week or on Sunday in worship. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Take All care. Right. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.